It's wine harvest season. Wine harvest is running from late August to early November here in Georgia. And at eatthistours.com, I'm running some pretty special, authentic family root belly harvest tours. I've only got seven of these running this year. And we actually are going to go out in small groups, seven to 12 people per group, and harvest with the family and their friends and help them make their wines for the season, followed by a big feast or supra, as our regular listeners will know hosted by the winemaker. So we're going to have dinner with the family. A lot of the time, the harvest experiences that are available to tourists involve turning up to sort of like a larger winery and simulating the harvest just for fun, uh, which is also great. And we do run those types of tours because not everybody can turn up on the exact days that winemakers are harvesting. And the tours that we run are weather dependent, whereas those ones you can just turn up no matter what and you can book them in advance. But if you actually have the flexibility to attend the real harvest, then it's much better than a simulation because you're actually helping the family make their wine. So get on the wait list now as we've actually only got very limited space for these. They're very exclusive small group tours. I said we don't run a lot of them and the dates are weather dependent and it's a little bit tricky. So get on the wait list so we can make sure we can actually sort that out. Go to eatthistours.com slash harvest for the full details about those tours and pictures and everything else. Hope to see you on one of them. I'm going to be on some of those myself. Otherwise, our Georgian guides are going to be there to help you Enjoy your Supra and wine harvest experience. In this two-part episode, we are discussing the history of the Supra. In the first part, we're going to talk about what is a Supra, what is a Tamada, the history of the Supra, and also the different formal styles of Supra that you can expect. And in our second episode, we're going to do a little bit of an in-depth discussion about what you can expect attending a Supra as a first-timer. Kama Joba! This is the Tbilisi podcast covering life, travel and more in the country of Georgia. Brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge and eatthistours.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Tbilisi Podcast, a show about life and travel in Tbilisi and Georgia. I am your host today and every other day I am Meg from foodfuntravel.com. With me again is my fabulous husband. Hola, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Very kind of you to consider me as a co-host for this episode. I know, I know. I mean, but you know, you were available. So here we are. Yeah, so this is Tom or, or Tomo, as some people call me, uh, from Eat This Tours and uh, expathub.ge here in Georgia, doing lots of Georgia stuff. That's why we're recording a podcast because we live in Georgia. Exactly. I think if this is the first time you're listening, just in case you're like, are those English Australian people just recording about Georgia from their bedroom in Australia? No, no, no. we're here in Tbilisi in our little podcasting recording studio and uh, getting some episodes out for you to listen to. Actually, one of the reasons I did get you in today is because today's topic is something that you are quite passionate about, and it is about things that go into your belly. Yeah, uh, we're talking about Supra today, which is the Georgian feast. It's beyond feast. I mean, people understand what a feast is, but consider it more in the realm of the king is having a party in the 14th century. Everyone's invited. There's 30 people on the table and there's food piled up in every direction. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about a Supra here. I mean, they're not always that big. A Supra can be small, can be big. 
But the real big, massive party supers are that sort of thing where you just got tons of people together plates and so much on food. plates on yeah. plates. Dishes are just stacked on top of each other. It's a lot of fun. It can last for hours. We're going to talk about all of that. It's we great. are. We I love are. It. All right. So let's jump into the supra. So the Russian poet Alexander Pushkin once commented that every Georgian dish is a poem. And we're going to be talking about a lot of poems. Yeah. A lot. But don't be scared if you hate poems, because I know some people do. Uh, that's not what this is about, really. Uh, I mean, there is poetry involved in the, the entire process, but it's, it's more about humanity, I think. Exactly, exactly. So let's jump in and talk a little bit about what is a supra. Because if you've never heard of it before, you're like, what are they talking about? It's just a big meal, right? Uh, it's not. <laughs> it is so much more no, than just a big meal. There's, there's lots of different levels to it, which is why we're going to talk about it. So uh, according to an article I found on studentresearch.iliauni.edu.ge, it's a student research portal in Georgia with a very long domain. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> just giving credit where credit's due. Sure. Yeah. So the super is defined as a social institution where through the use of alcohol and food mediums, as well as the institutions of Tamada and Toast, Various social functions are performed, including entertainment, socialization, communication, and establishing slash strengthening connections between people. That definitely happens. Exactly. All of that stuff. Love yeah. it. So, yeah, let's, to explain all of that in a really basic way, it's a massive feast that people all come together to either celebrate something or... Celebrate Tuesday. Sometimes it's just... Yes, yeah, it, it means exactly. normally there's a reason behind it that's a little more special than that, but it can pretty much just be like, we've got guests, let's yeah, have a supra. Totally, totally. In Georgian, supra actually literally translates as tablecloth. You can also have the word tabla for tablecloth as well. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to uh, our assistant, Kato, and she, I asked her about this. I was like, isn't it tabla? And she's like, yeah, but if my mom told me to go and get the supra out of the cupboard, I would know what she was talking about. And then I was like, oh, but is it a special tablecloth you have for supras so you know what she's talking about? And she's like, no. The I'm... fancy one with the gold yeah, stars yeah. on. Yeah, is, like, is it the good one, the fancy one that you only use for special occasions? And she was like, no, no, I would just know the context, I guess, of if mum said, go get the supra out of the cupboard, I would know what she's talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, of course, it means the feast. I prefer the feast to the tablecloth in general as a daily thing. Yeah. Basically, if, if any Georgian says to you, Supra, you know a party's going down. You hope, and you hope you're invited. Yes, yes. But even though definitely there will be food and definitely there will be drinking and there will be fun, you would hope, if those two things come together, it's usually pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, there is also a very strict ritual to the event that needs to be followed by all in attendance. And it is actually the role of the person of the Tamada who is in charge of making sure that the ritual of the supra is followed. Well, it, it's not necessarily, uh, I mean, I think some people are pretty strict about it, but these days it can be a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, it's more flexible these days. But the, the Tamadar is essentially the Toastmaster, the MC of the event. Exactly. So let's jump into a little bit more about what is a Tamadar. Yeah. Uh, so as you said, yeah, Toastmaster, MC of the Feast. Um, actually, the thing I did not realize that all supras, no matter the size, have a tamada. So basically, if you're sitting at a table with 200 people, there'll be a tamada. Someone will be appointed a tamada. If you're sitting at a table with a friend, one of you will be appointed tamada. Who's it going to be? Well, that whoever's better, who's more eloquent, because there's oh, certain um, 
that's a subjective opinion. I well, guess. yeah, well, very much so. But basically, it's the tamada's responsibility to well to know the toasts and to be well thought, eloquent, humorous. There's there's a lot of different things that go into being a good tamada. So basically, yes, firstly, it is their responsibility to give the appropriate toast at the appropriate times. But they also need to be thought provoking. They need to be funny. They need to tell a good story. Think about some of the best tamadas that you've had at a supra. What are some of the most memorable things that that you've come across when when you think back about the best best tamadas that you've experienced? I would say what the absolute key mastery of a tamadar is sort of two elements. One is an emotional roller coaster. Now it sort of sounds. I think to people who haven't done a supra, they're going to go, "Why is that good? It's good." You will laugh, you will cry, you will, hurt, you will hurt in your heart at times. But in the most poetic way, as we said, it is poetry. It's quite amazing, actually, because in Western culture, I feel like when we come together to celebrate things, we normally come together to say, okay, tonight's about the good, only the good. Let's never talk about the bad. But in Georgia, when they come together to celebrate things, they respect and appreciate all the emotions. And so they're talking about things that are hard, hard to hear. Yeah. Well, it's the thing where you don't necessarily have the good without having a solid understanding yeah. of the bad. Um, otherwise, There's a bit of sweetness at these events. So yeah. that's one of the elements that's important. There should be these peaks and troughs of different emotions throughout the event because that really connects you to the room. It connects you to everybody because everybody has this sort of shared understanding of the topics when it's presented in such a way that it really gets you. Exactly. And, and that, that emotional position in the room is, is, is pretty amazing uh, to, to be part of that. I think it's also really important for the Tamada to keep it relevant to the event as well for, for what you're celebrating. And that is quite a talent in itself because we'll get into it like, yeah, there's certain you know, toasts that you have at certain times. But to, and it's very easy for people to go off on a tangent and just, especially when yeah. you've had a few drinks. But it's really like the Tamada's responsibility to keep it all in check. Yeah. And, and make sure it's relevant to, to what like, you're celebrating. I've done a lot of these, a lot now, so many. And one of the things like, although now I know the structure of how they work and I know all the different toasts, I'm familiar with them so you can sort of pick it out. But when you're new to go into a supra, what's really incredible is they start talking about something and you're not sure what the point is necessarily, but then it becomes really clear at the end and they sort of twist right at the end and you go, oh, wow. Yeah. That now, if you've got that skill, that's the other part of this: the emotional roller coaster, the ability to to lead people through a story, or a description, or any sort of toast that then surprises you at the end, and and then you realize, oh, that toast was about peace, that toast was about family, that toast was about love, whatever the the comment is going to be. Yeah, because I guess like yeah, when you're starting out, you don't know the order of the toast, so you're just going along for the ride. And you don't anyway, because the, there is a sort of order that yeah. people sort of follow, but it's a bit free form, and you can you can change it around. So I think like that's the main thing. That's part of the emotional roller coaster. So that's still part one for me. Emotional roller coaster is part one of the entire thing. If someone is good enough to create that, they are a great tamada. Yeah. The second part, uh, as we said, the the poetry really, I think. The ability to communicate in a way that really connects with people is a really important part of it because I think the English language barrier is part of the problem for foreigners doing this. So there's a few Tamadas that I know who speak really good English. And when you have those Tamadas, you get a different experience than if you have, say, uh, a guide who's translating a Georgian Tamada 
or if you have someone who only speaks a bit of English, which means the stories that they tell are very basic so that you can understand them, yeah. but they lose the detail that actually makes them uh, perfect and eloquent. So that's the other thing. If you can actually visit a Tamadar who has very, very good English uh, or whatever language you happen to speak, then that is going to make a big difference. But even if you can't, even if you can't, these events are still very powerful. Even with the most basic language, somehow they manage to communicate things that are so strong and connective through any culture, universal human concepts, yeah. that uh, you're going to have a good time. And, and even if you don't get all of the toast experience because you don't understand some of what's going on, you're going to get drinks and you're going to get food and you're going to get <laughs> the feeling in the room of, of how people are. And, and you're going to feel part of that, even if you can't understand every word that's happening. Yeah, yeah, totally. So as, as you just said, yeah, they, they do have the uh, control of the toast, but hand in hand with that, they are in charge and in control of how fast or slow the alcohol is being consumed, which is a very important thing to pay attention to because after every single toast, the guests and especially the tamada is traditionally expected to down the entire drink in one gulp. That is what is traditional. But then on the other hand, it is also not appropriate to act drunk or give the appearance of being over-intoxicated. Which, you know, that's a shameful way to act at the super table or in general. So it's the Tamadar's responsibility to make sure that the pace is kept at the right speed for, you know, you don't want to be left waiting too long to have your next drink. Although you are drinking in between, generally. You might not want to. If you might you're not a, want to. Not a big drinker. It might be better to just hold off in between toasts. These toasts come fast and furious. Are we going to talk about how many of them they are? I mean, as we said, it's supposed to be paced out. But when we say there's some toasts, it's not like in England where, you know, sure, we'll, we'll do a couple of toasts for someone's birthday and then maybe at the end someone else will say something. It's, it's a whole event. Yeah. Like toasts can go on uh, one after the other for hours. Yeah. Basically, hours I saw hours. a good uh, quote that said the Tamadar is like a ringmaster of the circus, keeping everything under careful control. Yeah. So I guess they feel the mood in the room. And if they're like, OK, now's the time to make the next toast. People have had a little chance to chat. People have had a little chance to eat. Now everyone will be quiet whilst the toast is made. And, and that's also an important part of the entire event is that, uh, yeah, you are a part of it. It's not like, okay, the five people at the back can just keep talking. If the Tamadar is doing a toast, you shut no, up. You shut up. Yeah. yeah. I actually read in this really interesting book, The Georgian Feast, The Vibrant Culture and Savory Food of the Republic of Georgia, which is quite a title, by Dara Goldstein. They said that many first-time visitors are unaware that the participation at the Georgian table calls for the skillful exercise of moderation in the face of excess. <laughs> and yep. we're going to get to that more later because, yeah, you can really go too hard, too fast, too early in a Supra. It's really about pacing yourself. And as we were just saying, the Tamadar's responsibility is to make sure that the people, you know, he's in control of, of, of the pace of the drinking. And then it's up to you to control the pace of your consuming, which can be difficult. When it comes to the drinking, though, uh, just to give you an idea of how much wine is actually consumed at a Supra, let's just say at a common full-length Supra, uh, it is common for a Tamada to drink more than three litres of wine. Yep. No joke. No Seen it happen joke. many times. Three litres and to not act intoxicated or slovenly in any way. Yeah, unless you fall asleep on some beehives. That's we'll, a different We'll story. talk about that in the second part of this uh, two-part episode, I think. 
That was one of the funniest supers I've ever been to. I mean, I've never seen anyone fall asleep on bees. Uh, That that was definitely a thing. But anyway, we'll get into that later. Yeah, that's coming. But yeah, as we we keep saying tamada he, 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 yes, traditionally the role is held by men with women generally taking control of the kitchen. It's still that sort of society. But actually today uh, you can find female tamadas happening more and more. The gender roles are definitely shifting with the supras. So we've had men taking control of the cooking and uh, been off in the kitchen and, you know, making kinkali and, and kachapuri and all those and different things. And we've had the the women in, in there, especially if we've gone to like female winemakers where she's like, well, I'm serving you my wine and I made this wine. So, yep. you know, I'll be here up front and I will be, you know, tamada of this event. Well, you know, my brother actually makes a mean kinkali. So we've, we've got him at Yeah, he's in the kitchen making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, although the segregation has been there historically, it's not fully present anymore. I mean, if you go right out to some rural villages, there might be some people who get a little bit funny if there's a female Tamadar. They're like, oh, hang on. You'll always have traditionalists. But in general, and if if you're in the city, definitely no longer that much of a problem at all, uh, which is great. Yeah. Uh, the, The things are changing, which is really good. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay, let's jump into the, the different types of supra. So there's, there's We missed one detail, didn't we? Oh, about are, the wine. Did we say about how much wine we said about how much quantity of wine you're supposed to drink? Yeah. But I think what we missed was the important detail is when when you have each toast, at the end of the toast, uh, everyone is supposed to drink all of the wine in their glass. I did mention up. it. I did say you had to down it all in one gulp. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. But but it's 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 good to reiterate that. And then it gets <laughs> refilled pretty much immediately. So actually there is that role of the person who sits directly to the right of the tamada. They're called the medikipe, and it is literally their responsibility for the entire night to make sure nobody has an empty glass. And if they do, it's a shame on them because they're shaming the tamada. Like it's this whole shame cycle, but, but, but in a fun way. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't want to run out of wine when you've only got three litres per person. Exactly. And I mean, it's still, in a lot of cultures, it's that thing where you can't cheers with an empty glass. That's considered bad juju or like rude or, you know, however you want to look at it. If people are superstitious about it, you know, whatever word you want to place in there. There's a lot of different cultures that have that same thing that you would never cheers with an empty glass. So they've got to make sure the glasses are topped up. All right. All right. So... Formal types of supras. So, yeah, as we said, basically you could be sitting around with your mates having a couple of drinks and someone would be a tamadar and that would be a supra. You're still eating and having a feast. Um, but we're talking about the more traditional styles here. The the, the feast. The feast. The full feast. Because, of course, you could be doing a supra, but you're not going to order 200 kinkali and whatever for three people. Exactly. Well, you might because it's Georgia and it I've is, seen it I've happen. seen those trays come out yeah. late at night. The bottle of cha-cha, far, you know, not far mm, behind. Yes. You don't have to down cha-cha for toasts, though. Oh, I mean, you can, you can, but you really don't have to. Wine is the deal here, and normally amber wine because red wine's too heavy. Correct. People don't want you to drink it. Not that much of it. All right, so there are two formal styles of supra. Uh, there's the celebratory banquets, which are the ikhinis suprebi. So yeah. like, Apologies and- again, pronunciation. Sorry. Uh, and then there's also the morning banquets, and by I mean morning as in the funeral banquets, not as in good morning, as in funeral. Um, and that is the chiiris subrevi, and the funeral banquets. So the celebratory supers are held to celebrate the things that you would totally expect. Births, weddings, birthdays, Tuesdays, yeah. 
whatever. Like, you know. I love a Tuesday soup, bro. I love a I've Tuesday. A yep. Uh, so celebratory supers are super fun with many, 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 many toasts made by the Tamada who'll also tell jokes, stories, as we were saying before, and generally keep the flow of the party going really nice and smoothly. It's a fun occasion to have a good time. So, you know, but also, as Tom was saying, to, you still go on that roller coaster of emotions, but the whole theme of the party is let's have fun. Uh, of course, it's not going to be the same with a morning supra. They're highly formalized and held on three separate occasions, actually. You'll have one immediately after the person's death, one 40 days after, and then another one one year later. Wow. Uh, often for morning supras, guests will generally only stay for the three official toasts by the appointed funeral tamada. So at a Georgian funeral, I don't know if you remember that funeral that we saw years ago in Kutaisi that literally the streets was just full of people. Because it was a politician or something who died. It was, or I think something. it was a former mayor or something. Yeah. But so with that amount of people, generally I think what I was gathering from what I read was that like a lot of them will sort of turn up to the Supra. But they'll stay for like the first three toasts and then they'll be like, okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so you know. more of like a polite thing to do rather than just be there and take all the wine and Exactly, and the, then it the would family. be left over to the family. So um, there's three official toasts that are performed. One is to the deceased and wishes uh, them eternal peace. The second one, they then drink to the memory of the heavenly well-being of the deceased's relatives. So uh, the people that have already died prior to this person. So, you know, uh, toasting to the people that have already passed and that, you know, hoping that their eternal life is is joyful and, and, you know, rich. And finally, they will toast uh, to all the relevant family of the deceased who are still alive, followed uh, by the bereaved themselves, the immediate family. Guests after each toast will swallow their wine in one gulp. And before they do that, they'll utter the words, Skvolna ikos. And I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but it uh, translates into may he, she be remembered. So let's say after, like, the Tamada will do his toast and then the people will say may he, she be remembered and then they'll have their wine. The total number of the toasts given by the Tamada at the funeral supra must be uneven. So too must be the number of spoonfuls taken by the attendants from certain ritual dishes. Um, and there's specific dishes that are reserved for funeral supras and they're passed hand to hand, passed around in a certain way. And then I think they have a lot of, what I've noticed in the Orthodox religion is they have a lot of like sort of sacred religious spoons that they use for certain things. Mm. Yeah. They can, they have to take an uneven amount of spoonfuls, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And keeping track of that, I guess they have a system for it. Yeah. Well, it comes down to the ritual, right? Like, you know how the ritual works and so you know how it, how it's performed. And then, yeah, as I said, after that, probably there would be more toasts performed by the Tamada throughout the evening, but a lot of them, the non-essential guests have all probably gone home by then and just left it to the immediate family to go on and uh, celebrate uh, the person's life and mourn their death. Yeah. Anyway, that's the two major supras that they have here. Uh, We have not attended a funeral supra, thankfully, but we have done many party supras, which is... The celebratory ones are something we put on our tours. So quite a lot of our tours, you can have at least a mini version. I mean, the thing is, you've only got, if you're going out on a one day tour, you don't have nine hours to sit and, well, I mean, you could. And we're probably going to do that actually in the future. And that's one of the plans maybe for next season or maybe later this year around Christmas, we're going to start offering the sort of full 
day, like seven, eight hour Supra. Just go on tours. a Supra. Yep. Just, it's just going to be a Supra tour. Yep. Yep. You it's going to be a super, super tour. Super, super tour. Yep. Turn up to the winery, uh, sit with the winemaker for eight hours, drink a lot of wine uh, or less if you want, but uh, yeah, you might not have a choice and, uh, and eat lots and lots and lots and lots of food. We've got some really great venues that are going to be fantastic for this. So I'm hoping to start those tours. But at the moment, what we do on all of our tours uh, is we do sort of, uh, you know, we do a bit of wine touring. We, we go around, we do some wine tasting, we, we have a bit of food, we go to some historical attractions and then we'll sort of try and finish the, the day with a, a small Supra that will be like two and a half hours long rather than eight hours long. And I mean, it's really funny. I know so many people who are obviously not from Georgia, but foreigners, if you tell them that they're going to have a meal for two and a half hours, they're like, Ugh, why would I do that? Yeah. It's far too long. That makes no sense. Why are you making the meal so long? Like two and a half hours is a starter Supra. That's barely a Supra. Yeah. So, you know, and you will not be bored. I promise you. No. We never, it's I have gone never. gone in a flash. And how many times are we left like with the driver messaging us going, they won't leave. Yeah. Like we need to get back We're to still the here They won't at leave. at the winery and your guests, if <laughs> <laughs> you booked on our tour, have not left the winery yet. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you get into the spirit of it. And if the host uh, doesn't want you to leave, which they won't, they'll try and stop you from leaving. I mean, they know you're supposed to leave, but they have to try and stop you from leaving. It's like a tradition. So they'll yeah. be like, hang on, one more toast or hang on, we've just got some more food coming out the kitchen. Or have you tried this special killer. wine I've been working on? Yeah, I'm just going to open one more bottle. You've got to try this one. This is my reserve from 2016. Uh, it happens all the time. Yeah. So it does get a little difficult to leave, but uh, the tour guide's going to usher you out eventually because people do have to go to bed at some point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're really fun. I've never had a single person come back from a tour and go, "Ugh, Supra was a bit lame. Why did we do that? Yeah. Never, ever in the history of this company have I ever had anyone said, no, nah, I didn't really like the Supra part. That wasn't very good. Yeah. Never happened. I mean, even like all of our friends here were like, anyone up for a Supra? And they're like, yes, I'm in. Yeah. Constantly. That's why I mean, we do so many because they are, yeah, as an emotional roller coaster. It's, it's amazing. I've never had dinner experiences like this in any other culture. It's, no. It's fabulous. I mean, especially like if you remember when we were going out to the Supras when I was pregnant, and no, I wasn't drinking at the Supras. They don't make you drink if you're pregnant, obviously. No, that's not part of the. Um, but the they definitely uh, would do a toast to me and my then unborn child. And what was it they said? Soli Orisuli. Or two soul. souls. Yeah. So they would do a toast to two souls. And it was, I don't know, the, it was always such a beautiful moment. Even though, of course, you know, a, a baby is a joyful thing. It was just this very emotional time every time that they would toast to, to me and, and well, Isaac. Because, I don't know, they just, they have this way. They have this way with words that make it really meaningful yeah. and heartfelt. Like it's so, it's heartfelt. Even though you might be going, yeah, on a tour. And obviously, it's still real. It's still real. Everything yeah. is heartfelt that they do. It's not a show. No, no. They, if they're hosting you, you are their guests. You are not their tourists. You are their guests. Yeah. And that's why we love running the tours here because that sort of connection just gives us a whole level above a whole load of other tours that run in other countries that just don't have this opportunity. I'm not trying to knock other countries' tours. No, they've got great tours. It's just that there's a culture here of that. But yeah, that culture yeah. just doesn't persist inside uh, tourism in other countries like it does here yeah you are always a guest and it's pretty amazing so got to go out and do a super got to do saying. it but anyway we got loads more information about supers so let's keep going yeah basically i figured we'd maybe do another episode on the the toasts because that's another that's a lot of information in itself and this is like a history of the super episode. yeah yeah so part two is going to be the toasts 
Yeah, or part three. Part three. We'll see how we All right, let's There's see how long it gets. There's a lot of information to this. All right. All right, but this is the history of the Super Ant episode, so let's find out a little bit of the background of this amazing feast. The thing that I was really surprised to learn after doing a whole bunch of research uh, was that it seems that the form of the super that we know today, that we just explained to you, that we have personally experienced, was probably created in the 19th century. So yeah. it's not as old as you think. When you get a lot of things from Georgia, everything's like thousands of years old, or it's like, oh, we've got these bones that are millions of years old. Like everything is really, really old. So for the super to only be 19th century, I was like, oh, that's really. But there's some research papers that suggest it is significantly older. So there's a controversy here, I assume. Yeah. So basically the theory that it only started in the 19th century is based on the fact that the words super toast or tamada don't exist in any texts before the 19th century. Not a single one. That doesn't prove that it couldn't have just happened under a different name. Exactly. Or not named. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, Georgians have been feasting and drinking for centuries. In fact, there's actually an old story that goes, and this is quotes, when God was distributing portions of the world to all the peoples of the earth, the Georgians were having a party and doing some serious drinking. Uh, As a result, they arrived late, (laughs) Georgian time, and were told by God that all the land had been already distributed. When they replied that they were late only because they had been lifting their glasses in praise to him, God was pleased and gave the Georgians the part of the earth that he'd been reserving for himself. Wow. Isn't that awesome? You're getting rewarded for being late. That's why everyone's still late here but all the they time. Were part, they were partying for him and he was like, oh, I like you guys. Considering how far away we are from England, it's surprising that we're on GMT here, which is Georgian maybe time. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the actual structure of the feast with the toast, tamada, and the set sequence of the supra seems to be much more recent. But yes, they've been feasting and eating for many, many, many years. Uh, before the term supra was coined, feasting in Georgia was probably more commonly referred to as d- nadimi um, or it's puroba, which is uh, is generally, I think it's a word that relates to puri bread, which you'll always have the turi. Uh, yeah, you have tonus. to have bread on the table. Yeah, the That's one of the traditions. On the table. If you don't have bread on the table, it's not supra. So why did Nadimi change and become the supra that we know today? So basically Nadimi was just feasting, like you, would, but it didn't have the social structure that it, that it has today. Okay. According to text, the super emerged with the incorporation of Georgia and the rest of the Transcaucasia into the Russian Empire. That, and that happened in the early 19th century. So we're not talking about Soviets. We're talking yeah. about... Yeah, Russian Empire. With the, uh, the czars and the czar. all those people. The greats. <laughs> yes, the greats. Great show. Through this, the Georgian culture was, was suppressed, as we know. And so the super was used as a way of taking back power that had been lost to them. So I read in one study, it said that uh, the super succeeds in creating a mitigated and pleasantly authoritarian version of the current repressive situation, which helps people to accept reality. Toasting became a way of feeling like they were still doing something for their country, God, family, etc., where the confines of the Russian occupation didn't allow them to do this in their day-to-day lives. So what this is saying is that toasting was a way to take back the power that had been lost to them. They they still praised their country. They still praised their culture. They still praised their family way of life. Basically because the, the Russian Orthodox Church is very, very similar to the Georgian Orthodox Church, they didn't have that separation of thus and them with church that a lot of other colonial, colonialists had. 
because basically colonialists would come in and be like, you're going to do everything completely different. And especially it comes down to the church and this is your new church and your new rules. But there was still that similarity with Russia and Georgia. They didn't have that religion divide. So Russia had to think of another way to suppress them. Mm. And that was all with culture, culture, language, all of that sort of stuff got suppressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In creating the ritual of the supra was a way to continue cultural traditions. So in addition to the abundance of food and drink that they were already doing with their Nadimi feasts, the need for a specific supra table along with particular dishes and specifically designed interiors, even traditional elements such as traditional clothes, dancing and singing were all a way to hold onto and tell other generations about Georgian heritage. Mm. Uh, Supra also was and is an opportunity for uh, political discussions, uh, poetry, verse, improvisation, musical performances, all stuff that was not allowed. And so this was all sort of obviously done in secret. Now it's a it's a joyful part of the yeah. Supra. I, I love it when like one of the the little daughter comes out playing playing her little instrument. Or and, whatever, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. So previously it was like a speakeasy poetry reading night with well, a I massive think saying, feast. I think they're saying the poetry is came from the Tamada. Yeah. Really. So because if you have, as you were saying before, if you have like a very eloquent Tamada, they will recite poetry. They will do yeah quotes from historical figures they've got the knowledge and they've you know they will recite that stuff as part of their speech so i guess that's what it meant by like they're not doing like slam poetry and just making it up on the spot sort of thing yeah well, they could be if they're talented oh, talent, hey, some oh talented no but some of them are making it up but also i know some of them carry like a notebook that reminds them of certain things for yeah. uh, for each toast and, and different themes and and also i'm told some of them when they have an idea because this is not just a, I've written my toasts and now I'll do the same ones whilst traveling around the country or something. Uh, that doesn't happen at all, really. No. Uh, what it is, is that you're going to turn up to your family super every month or every couple of months or whatever, and they're going to want to hear some new stories. They're not just going to hear the same toasts every time. Yeah. So if you think of a story when you're in the shower, you jump out of the shower and you write it down write it in your down. notebook and go, great, this is going to be a brilliant twist on, on toast number seven. And yeah, yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah. Always adjusting and 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 perfecting. So this tradition has continued all the way through to today. So of course, once we hit Soviet times and things got a lot stricter, the Supra was very, very much frowned upon by uh, the state authorities, apparently. And I read that in 1975, a law was passed in Soviet Georgia that large banquets associated with marriages, deaths, births were seen as blatant opposition of the homo sovietus, which was the is the name of like the average conformist person. Like Soviet man. Soviet man, the average. Yeah, exactly. So the Supra was actually declared a harmful custom. So I read that at one point, but I also read that at uh, some other time, like some Soviets sort of tried to incorporate it to sort of encourage people into the Soviet way of thinking. So they like, so some, some sides I read that it was sort of like repressed. I guess maybe it was where you were. Other documents I read said that you know, there was even at one point like a school where people could go to learn to be tamadas and mm. and stuff like that. Who knows? Um, but maybe they were trying to encourage it to be more of the Soviet way of thinking rather than the rebellious Georgian spirit that was coming out in, in the traditional supra. Could be. I couldn't find really solid facts on that one. So if anybody knows how things went in the Soviet period, write in, uh, megzi at foodfundtravel.com. Let me know. I would love to hear because I was 
translating a lot of Georgian into English documents and, you know, other English documents. And it all got very confusing and people with very, very different big opinions on this topic. So people might say that today with an independent Georgia, why would they want to continue doing the tradition? Because they don't have that. uh, They're not being repressed by Russia so strictly anymore. And some people are saying that the super continues as a way of a permanent form of cultural strengthening in the face of modern globalization. So um, it's just like, as I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, it was like when they opened McDonald's in Italy, there was old grandmas standing out front with big tubs of spaghetti trying to feed people spaghetti instead of them going to McDonald's because they're wanting to hold on to that culture and tradition. And the super is the exact same thing here. They bring the kids to the super and they experience it all and it's a way of passing down stories and passing down their culture. Do they have super at McDonald's? Um, I have been into a McDonald's here and there has not been a super menu. No. No. But I mean, has there been a super occurring? Were there burgers piled to the rooftop <laughs> or one on top of each other on, on one table? I mean, McDonald's is specifically designed to make the uh, the environment uncomfortable enough that you will leave and you will not spend too long there. Exactly. So the super is not really geared for a McDonald's generation. So I guess they do their super after McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Or just do the drive-in and then take that home. And I, this is complete. Um, <laughs> this is heresy. It's ridiculous. This is literally. I, I'm. I'm only joking, Georgia. Obviously, I don't think that. Uh, or I hope. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is happening. I am definitely not suggesting that there is actually McDonald's supras going on at people's homes with takeaway McDonald's. No, sure there's very particular dishes that you want to have yeah. at a supra, and a you know six pack of McNuggets is not that. No. 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 All right. Good. Good Although if you are really, really drunk and you're heading home and from Karketi and you've got a bit of a trip, you might want to drop in for some nuggies on the way if you're a little drunk and need to sober up I don't a bit. even know if there is a McDonald's uh, on the way back from Karketi, not like way out in Karketi. I don't know if there is one. But of course the whole Maybe purpose of there being so much food is so that you contain your intoxication. So you, yeah. you but want it doesn't to- have to be McDonald's. And our food no, tours no, definitely don't go to McDonald's. You should have eaten enough at the Supra. Oh, you will eat enough at the Supra. Exactly. There, there will no, be no McDonald's stop on our tours. Uh, that's why I don't even know where they are, because literally we had no reason to plan and find out where they are for tours. Nah. Why would we? It would be crazy. Yeah. So it has become such an important part of Georgia's traditions that, honestly, today being invited to an authentic Supra is probably one of the biggest honour you can get as a foreigner. And it's something that should be met with like excitement and, but also some people can get a little bit uh, nervous about it as well because of, because of the ritual of the, of the thing you, uh, I don't know. I love it. I've read other articles of people that were like, oh, super, I've got to sit through this. Um, I'm really tired and I just want to go to bed and I know I've got to sit through all these toasts, but I think they're morons. (laughs) (laughs) It's an awesome occasion. And to be Invited to one is, is such a special thing. The only problem is that you will leave a couple of pants size bigger. So maybe yeah. we need some like branded eat this tours, stretchy pants. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. I, I think that's a classy wine tour thing to do. <laughs> totally. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, basically that is the history of the Supra. It's a lot more modern with it as its current with form. Historic connections that were different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, George has been down for a party for. Since God gave them their land, apparently. Before, before they were before. celebrating, before land was handed out. I mean, you know it's going to be fun coming here if you haven't visited here, if that's that's how the stories start. Yeah, we were celebrating before God even gave the land out to anybody. Yep. Yeah, great. 
All right, so there you go, the history of the Supra. Of course, yeah, as I was saying, there's lots and lots of documents to be read and there's lots of different information out there. If you do want to add something to this, please let me know. As I said before, email me at megzi at foodfundtravel.com or I am on the social medias. I am not on the TikTok uh, because I am old, but (laughs) I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Tbilisi Podcast. Easy peasy. Uh, I guess that's it for this episode. We're coming back with the second part. Uh, It'll be out in a week or so, or maybe already out, depending on when you are listening. But yeah, History of the Super, some of our uh, personal favourite stories about Supras. But there's going to be more stories about Supras in the next episode, right? Yep. What are we going to talk about in the next episode? Um, So basically, it's going to be your top tips for attending a Supra as a first time. And I've got some information from some Georgian friends about what they think foreigners should know. And we're going to give some of our top tips as well as uh, what we think you should know. I've got a top tip that'll be in the next episode. Don't fall asleep on a beehive. (laughs) That was a Georgian that did that. That was not a foreigner. I know, but I'm just saying, if you are coming and you see someone who's Georgian do it, you don't need to do it. It was his bees. They were his bees. They were friends. It was fine. Okay. All right. There was some mutual respect yeah. between it. You can sleep in our hive because you're one of our one of us. Exactly. You're one of us. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh next episode coming soon. Thanks for listening to the Tibilisi Podcast. Connect with us at tibilisipodcast.com where you can find all relevant social media links, join our email newsletter, and discover more about travel, tours and expat services in Georgia. This show was brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge and eatthistours.com.